Good morning, everyone. This is, you are now listening to the podcast, The Leaves of a Victim Nevermore with Stephen Wilson. And I am Stephen Wilson, the amazing, the awesome, the ever-knowing, et cetera, et cetera, Moncatania. It is a good morning. It is a good morning because it is my birthday month, September. Labor Day has come and gone, and this month I turned 50. Uh, now, normally this podcast would be something like it's a form of therapy for myself. It's for people that suffer from addiction or have been abused. I am an adult survivor of childhood sex abuse. I am in group therapy. But today, I decided to do my own thing. I'm still going to follow the same format, so uh, I don't know if you want to linger on this one, but if you're here, you're here. And so today's reading comes from Ray Bradbury. And he was one of my favorites when I was a kid. Robert Frost, Ray Bradbury. It was before I got to Whitman and Edgar Allan Poe. And as a writer, I, uh, I think I mimicked his work a little bit when I started writing when I was, when I was a kid. But, but, okay, let's get to the reading. Um, this is one of the things that I actually do uh, every year. Um, I read this during my birthday month and into October, sometimes into November, I, I read it and I reread it. And sometimes I buy a new book every year and I try to recycle it, you know, give it to the library, give it to uh, the Salvation Army, give it to a church, let them have a, a book sale or something. There's nothing wrong with spreading the word of, of Ray Bradbury. But the story that I'm going to read from is something wicked this way comes. Prologue. First of all, it was October, a rare month for boys. Not that all months are rare, but there are very bad and good, as the pirates say. Take September, a bad month. School begins. Consider August, a good month. School hasn't begun yet. July, well, July is really fine. There's no chance in the world for school. June, no doubting it. June's best of all. For the school doors spring wide and September is a billion years away. But you take October. Now, school's been on a month and you're riding easier in the rains, jogging along. You got time to think of the garbage you'll dump on old man Prickett's porch or the hairy ape costume you'll wear to the YMCA the last night of the month. And if it's around October 20th and everything's smoky smelling and the sky orange and the ash gray at twilight, it seems Halloween will never come and fall of broomsticks and a soft flap of bed sheets around corners. But one strange, wild, dark, long year, Halloween came early. 
One year, Halloween came on October 24, three hours after midnight. At that time, James Nightshade of 97 Oak Street was 13 years, 11 months, 23 days old. Next door, William Holloway was 13 years, 11 months, and 24 days old. Both touched toward 14. It almost trembled in their hands. And, what, and that was the October week when they grew up overnight and were never so young anymore. Two, there's nothing in the living world like books on water cures, deaths of a thousand slices, or pouring white hot lava off castle walls on drools and mountebanks. So said Jim Nightshade, that's all he read. If it wasn't how to burgle the first national, if it was how to build catapults or shape black bumper shoots into lurking bat costumes for cabbage night, Jim breathed it out all fine, and Will, he breathed it in. With the lightning rod nailed to Jim's roof, Will proud and Jim ashamed of what he considered mutual cowardice, it was late in the day, supper over, it was time for their weekly jog to the library. Like all boys, they never walked anywhere, but named a goal and lit for it, scissor and elbows. Nobody won. Nobody wanted to win. It was in their friendship they just wanted to run forever, shadow and shadow. Their hands slapped library door handles together. Their chests broke track tapes together. Their tennis shoes beat parallel pony tracks over lawns, trim bushes, squirrel trees, no one losing, both winning, thus saving their friendship for other times of loss. It was on this night that blew warm, then cool, as they let the wind take them downtown at eight o'clock. They felt the wings on their fingers and elbows flying, then suddenly plunged into new sweeps of air. The clear autumn river flung head headlong where they must go. Up steps, three, six, nine, twelve, slap. Their palms hit the library door. Jim and Will grinned at each other. It was all so good, these blowing quiet October nights, and the library waiting inside now with its green shaded lamps and papyrus dust. Jim listened. What's that? What, the wind? Like music, Jim squinted at the horizon. Don't hear no music. Jim shook his head. Gone, or wasn't even there. Come on. They opened the door and stepped in. They stopped. The library deeps lay waiting for them. Out in the world, not much happened. But here, in the special night, a land bricked with paper and leather, anything might happen. Always did. Listen. And you heard 10,000 people screaming so high only dogs feathered their ears. A million folk ran toting cannons, sharpening guillotines, Chinese, four abreast, marched on forever. Invisible, silent, yes, but Jim and Will had the gift of ears and noses, as well as the gift of tongues. This was a factory of spices from far countries. Here, alien deserts slumbered. Up front was the desk with the nice old lady, Miss Watchers, purple stamped your book. But down off away were Tibet and Antarctica, the Congo. There went Miss Wills, the other librarian, through Outer Mongolia, 
combing toting fragments of piping in Yokohama and the Salibs. Way down the third book corridor, an oldish man whispered, his broom along in the dark, mounting the falling spices. Will stared. It was always a surprise, that old man. His work, his name. That's Charles William Halloway, thought Will. Not grandfather, not far-wandering ancient uncle, as some might think, but my father. So looking down the corridor was Dad shocked. C owned a son who visited the separate 20,000-fathom deep world. Dad always seemed stunned when Will rose up before him, as if they had met a lifetime ago and one had grown old while the other stayed young, and this fact stood between them. Far off, the old man smiled. They approached each other carefully. Is that you, Will? Grown an inch since this morning. Charles Holloway shifted his gaze. Jim? Eyes darker, cheeks paler. You burned yourself at both ends, Jim. Heck, said Jim. No such place as heck, but hell's right here under. A for allegory. Allegory's behind me, said Jim. How stupid of me, Dad laughed. I mean, Dante, look at this. Pictures by Mr. Dory, showing all the aspects. Hell never looked better. Here, souls sunk to the gills and the slime. There's someone upside down, wrong side out. Boy, howdy. Jim eyed the pages two different ways and thumbed on. Got any dinosaur pictures? Dad shook his head. That's over the next aisle. He strolled them around and reached out. Here we are. Pterodactyl, kite of destruction. Or what about Drums of Doom, the saga of the Thunder Lizards? Pep you up, Jim? I'm pepped. Dad winked at Will. Will winked back. They stood now, a boy with corn-colored hair and a man with moon-white hair. A boy with a summer apple. A man with a winter apple face. Dad, Dad, thought Will. Why? Why? He looks like me in a smashed mirror. And suddenly Will remembered nights rising at two in the morning to go to the bathroom and spying across town to see that one single light in the high library window. And no dad had lingered on late murmuring, reading alone under these green jungle lamps. It made Will sad and funny to see that light, to know the old man. He stopped to change the word, his father was in here all the shadow. Will, said the old man, who was also a janitor, who happened to be his father. What about you? Huh? Will shook himself. You need a white hat or a black hat book? Hats, said Will. Well, Jim, they permeabled, dad running his fingers along the book spines. He wears the black 10-gallon hats and reads books to fit. Middle name's Moriarty, right, Jim? Any day now, he'll move up from Fu Manchu to Machiavelli, here, medium-sized, dark fedora, or over along to Dr. Faustus, extra-long black Stetson, that leaves the white hat boys to you. Will, here's Gandhi, next door to St. Thomas. And on the next level, well, Buddha. You don't mind, said Will. I'll settle for the mysterious island. What, asked Jim, scowling, is all this talk about white and black hats? 
Why, dead-handed Jules Verne to Will. It's just a long time ago. I had to decide myself which color I'd wear. So, said Jim, what did you pick? Dad looked surprised, then he laughed uneasily. Since you need to ask, Jim, you make me wonder. We'll tell your mom we'll be home soon. Get out of here, both of you. Miss Watchers, he called softly to the librarian at the desk. Dinosaurs and mysterious islands coming up. The door slammed. Outside, a weather of stars ran clear in an ocean sky. Heck, Jim sniffed north. Jim sniffed south. Where's the storm? That darn salesman promised. I just got to watch that lightning fizz down my drain pipes. Will let the wind ruffle and refit his clothes, his skin, his hair. Then he said faintly, It'll be here by morning. Who says? The huckleberries all down my arms. They say. Great. The wind flew Jim away. A similar kite. Will swooped to follow. That was Ray Bradbury, Something Wicked This Way Comes. Well, the reason I read that so often this time of the year, I know Halloween's next month, and well, the fact is, is that that story always thought me, well, I always thought that it was about me. I read that when I was a kid. And my best friend back there was Jeff Hackman. And in many ways, our relationship was just the same. Oftentimes, we would go back and forth and people, it would be difficult to tell us apart which one is the villain, which one is the hero. But we told ourselves that we were both villain. I was more... I was more into Dark Side or Gorilla Grodd. But Jeff always had his own thing. It was a little too much street. I was too much suburbia. And the thing is, is that during that time in grade school, he and I, we were always together. But in time, and it happened the very next year, going into seventh grade, into junior high, I went on to North and he went on to Lundahl. And it was in seventh grade that I got raped. And that changed everything. I mean, I can tell you right now, I've never had a friend like that ever since. No one's even come close to Jeff. and in my own self-analysis and in my own therapy, I think it has something to do with the fact that I just never let anybody get that close. You let it all hang out. This is what I really am. No judgment, no curb, no two-face. What you see is what you get. And reading that story, it always reminds me of him. 
This month I turned 50. And I have to tell you, because, uh, because I am a suicide, I don't keep time the way you do. The clock on the wall, the calendar, the fabric of time. I have been on this world for 50 years, well, in a couple of days. And I will celebrate accordingly. I'll be going to a Chiefs game but I'll be wearing the colors of the team of my youth, the Chicago Bears. And I'll probably go back to the Caribbean, maybe Aruba this time. And maybe in the winter, maybe I'll go to, maybe I'll go back to Great Britain, Scotland for Christmas. Get in some capsules trying to find that dragon that I know is out there. I know there's a dragon. I can feel it. And I thought that it would be interesting to share with you, um, you know, some of the things. Because uh, in this day and age, you get emails all the time. And uh, I had uh, a company that, well, the business that I, I use. And they told me that American Graffiti was the number one movie when I was born. And the price of a new car happened to be, or the median price, $4,129. And on my birthday, the year that I was born, fuel cost 37 cents a gallon. <laughs> I don't know why that's so cheesy, but I love that anyway. I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, that's got nothing. To, that trivia has nothing to do with anything. It's just that. I don't know. I like it. But I thought what I, uh, what I would do is, uh, um, I would share with you something that I've been doing my whole life in regards to my birthday. It's kind of like the birthday rule. Um. From, from when I was a kid up until the age of 15, I celebrated on my actual birthday. From 16 to 25, I celebrated my actual birthday and the day before and the day after. From 36 to 35, I celebrate my actual birthday, but the whole week that it falls on. From 36 to 40, I celebrate the whole month, September. And then from 41 to 49, I celebrate September, August, and then October. And getting to 50, I get to celebrate the whole year. Now, I always used to tell people that I would celebrate my birthday all the time, whenever I wanted to. If I wanted to go somewhere, if I wanted to do something, because you know, my basic philosophy, if you ever want to know when to do something, the answer is right now, because this is all you have. And I can appreciate the fact that that sounds a little bit cheesy, a little bit corny. 
but this is all you have. I never really saw the utility of making plans. I mean, if you want to fuck something up, you want to have a good time, you, you want to celebrate yourself like Walt Whitman said you're supposed to, then you should be able to do it any time. I mean, I'll, I'm sure I'll do something on my birthday. And there have been a few people that have volunteered to help me celebrate. And the idea that, you know, you get a gift from people and... I mean, I always thought that time... Time and kindness were the greatest gifts that I could be given because they were so rare. Until somebody gave me a rare book. And I am a collector. I've always had my comic books. I've got my hockey cards and my football cards and my baseball cards. Well, not that much anymore. But I still have an appetite for books. Because I know this is going to sound crazy, but books were my first friend. See, when I was a kid, I couldn't speak properly. And technically speaking, I guess my first language was ASL. I was in speech therapy a long time in grade school. And there is something to it when you're in a room filled with kids and you can't really say anything, can't communicate because they don't understand, because you don't speak their language. And everybody knew where I was going, to speech therapy, plaque shot out from above the door, like a spear. They always knew what time of the day, because I wasn't the only kid going in there. In that grade school, we had a speech therapy room, we had a sound room, and you do all the exercises with the mirror and the, put your hand on your lip, put your finger on your mouth. And now that I'm getting close to 50, and I know that I'm closer to the end than the beginning, I have to go back. Well, I, I guess I don't have to. I, I do go back. But I always go back to books. Because I've never had a friend, a human friend like Jeff. There have been a few that I have tried, but they never, they never last. More times than not, I fuck it up. But books have never hurt me. They never lied to me. They never cheated. They never made fun of the way that I speak or the way that I read or what I'm wearing. My bedfellows. 
all the life choices there, the book is just waiting to be acted upon. And you open up that cover and you go into like a, you dive into that pool. And if it's a really good book, you just don't want to, you don't want to leave. When I was writing, when I was a kid, and I did start writing about the time that the rape, the abuse happened. The voices, the, the stories, they were in my head and I had to get them out or I couldn't sleep. And so the relationship, although perhaps unhealthy, it is a lifeline because I have no I have no idea how much longer I'm going to be here. Maybe the third time will be a charm. I don't know. I know the storms come and I know that I'm not going to be able to handle them properly. Not the way that you do. But the book is always there, unwavering. Doesn't flinch. I wish I could be like that. But it is what it is. My dear friends, it is what it is. <laughs> Getting close to 50, that's all the great gift knowledge I got for you. It is what it is. A 70s cliche. Yeah. Well, happy birthday to me. And happy birthday to all of you out there. If you've got a birthday coming up, happy birthday to you. And go out there and have a good time. And you know what? Celebrate on your birthday and whenever the hell you want to. You do you. You focus on you. It's okay to be selfish. Don't get caught up in all that bullshit. Just do the things that you want to do. Because you have no idea how many tomorrows you're going to get. So don't keep putting it off. So you have been listening to the podcast, The Leaves of a Victim Nevermore with Stephen Wilson. May you be a blessing and may you find serenity. Happy birthday to you. <laughs>